0: Welcome to Revive Family, Parenting in the 21st Century, with researcher, author, lecturer, counselor, and coach Jeff Schott. Jeff has written Influential Parenting, a comprehensive program designed to help parents become important influencers in guiding their kids to success. He also wrote the book, Going, Going, Gone, about kids departing the faith they were raised in. You can learn more about the program and the book at revivefamily.com. I know we're going to talk today about love and its impact on individual lives and the impact on families. And as I think about love as a topic, I think that the soundtrack of our lives is filled with so many love songs. We grew up hearing love songs. There are thousands of songs that have love as the first word in the title or hidden somewhere within that lyric. And often it's romantic love, but not always. Not One of my favorite songs is a John Lennon, Paul McCartney song, All You Need Is Love. It's really more of a life philosophy expressed in that lyric. There's nothing you can do that can't be done. Nothing you can sing that can't be sung. Nothing you can't become. It's a very positive thing that can happen in your life if you have love at the core of who you are.
1: And love needs to reside at the core
0: of a family, correct?
1: It absolutely does. And I know, um, honestly, if we were to step back in my family, I'm not sure love was at the core of our family before beginning my journey into looking at kids and what was causing them to struggle so much. And so much of what we discovered was that there was a breakdown of love, a breakdown of love occurring within the family And that, uh, to me, is a tragedy. Uh, I see it in marriages. I see it spreading from marriages to kids. I see it in the parent-child relationship. And um, it's not a good thing. Is it an
0: American lifestyle? Is it we're too busy, we're trying to succeed, we have so much to do? We've said yes in so many ways instead of putting family first.
1: I think society has a lot to do with it. I think we get so busy that we get focused on the activities, the tasks, the things that need to get done. And in that vein, um, it's really easy to lose the depth of communication, the depth of relationship. And it all becomes about performance. It leads to exhaustion. It leads to feeling, uh, for some parents, feeling used. Um, and as a result, love begins to fade in the family culture. And that's when it gets really scary for kids.
0: Mm -hmm. What needs to be at the core, as we've said already, it needs to be nurtured. It's a feeling, uh,
1: it's a doing, but it's kind of a being as well, right? In the heart. Right, I think there's so many elements to love. There's definitely emotions. There's definitely feelings. But there's also a commitment component. There's an obligation component. Um, And yes, it's part of, are we at the center of our beings, a person of care and concern and compassion, or is it more about what we want, uh, performance, how we look, our image? And that can definitely impact the sense of love within a family culture. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. I like the fact that you use culture, and culture isn't something that just happens instantaneously. It evolves over time. So you're really saying love at the center of this family culture where you
1: are assisting people in helping that family thrive and grow. Right. I mean, it's fascinating when I looked at the research related to love, and there's a lot of it out there. So much of it is focused on romantic love. Uh, couples and what causes that love to start and in some cases to, to continue. Mm-hmm. What shocked me was the lack of research into love within the family structure. There was very little out there. It's almost like we kind of assume that parents are going to love their kids and kids are going to love their parents, but man, when kids become adolescents, a lot of parents aren't feeling the love, and honestly, a lot of adolescents aren't feeling the love either.
0: Mm -hmm. So that peace and that patience and that kindness needs to be
1: nurtured. It needs to be practiced, right? Love needs to be practiced in the home. Right. I mean, love is this confusing thing for us, I think. I do these retreats uh, in youth groups called Reboot, and it's going after the dual life culture and the breakdown of care and concern and the clicks and all of the things that can develop within youth group cultures. And what's fascinating is that I, one of the exercises we do is to break them into small groups and ask them to discuss what love is, define it, characterize what makes it last. And you know what? They can't do it. Our kids don't understand love. And oftentimes the youth leaders don't. And I've found in my coaching and working with families that parents have a hard time defining and explaining what love is and what it is as well. Because I think we all relate love back to that time where we first fell in love. Hmm. Like I remember for Dee and I, hmm. you know, for some crazy reason, my parents scheduled having thanksgiving dinner with the family of my immediate ex-girlfriend and when they told me it was like why on earth Uh would you do that to me (laughs) you know it just brought this huge sense of pain instantaneously and i'm like i don't even want to go to this thanksgiving dinner you know and certainly don't ask me what i'm thankful for at the at the table oh my goodness But it was fascinating. Her best – that year, she didn't return from college, my ex-girlfriend. But her best friend came and spent time with the family anyways. And that was Didi, my current wife. Well, this was part of a bigger plan. (laughs) Uh, God had a crazy plan here because, um, you know, everybody in the room saw the sparks. But I'm an interminable introvert. Uh, Most people wouldn't believe that today, but I am. And I was so shy. And so the parents, uh, my parents and the parents of my ex-girlfriend got together and planned to go out, leaving Didi with nothing to do, and then suggested, why don't you, Didi, and your sister go to a movie? And so my my first date with Didi was actually <laughs> with my sister as a chaperone, and she was constantly sliding over trying to force me to sit next to Didi. But that night, we sat there and we talked— um, for an hour and a half, two hours after we got done uh, with the time with my sister until one thirty a.m., even though I was catching a plane at 6 a.m. out of JFK for, for Arizona to go back to college. Um, and that started a long-distance relationship that's led to a marriage that will be 30 years this summer. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember that. I remember the feelings. I remember the love. I remember the attraction. And I think that's what we begin to believe love is. But then that, of course, fades. Mm-hmm. And of course, hopefully, we never have those feelings like that for our kids. So love's got to be far more than that. And that's why I was almost a little bit concerned about the research I saw, because it was so focused on this romantic love right. concept. In fact, mm-hmm. one of the researchers, uh, it was really funny, had this this really hilarious quote related to love and the study of love and it says this Mm -hmm. i think we know a lot more scientifically about love in the brain than we did a couple of decades ago but i don't think it tells us very much that we didn't already know about love schwartz said Mm -hmm. it's kind of interesting it's kind of fun to study but do we think it makes us better at love or helping people with love probably not much this Mm -hmm. is actually a researcher that spends decades studying love saying i don't know that it's really helping us and maybe that's why we're all having such a hard time with love in our families. We're not really digging in and understanding what it's going to take to keep love alive in our homes.
0: So you and Dee Dee have been married for nearly thirty years. I was listening to a TED talk the other day. Just I got a prompt, a notification on my phone hey, there's a cool TED Talk. Maybe you should check it out. And I was working on something. I thought well, I'll listen to this. It's about marriage. And uh this professor who has studied marriage and relationships, actually a clinical psychologist, said there are really two strong factors that keep relationships, marriage relationships together. Number one being that you partner and you have each other's back at all times. You know there's that support and defense when you need it. And the other was, it's really founded on trust, the fact that that person who you are bonded to is reliable. They come through to do what they say they will do. Those are pretty basic. But I think, doesn't that apply quite well to relationships that parents have with their kids? I've always got their back. I'm there to support at all times. They can trust me.
1: That'll i do what I say I will do. Right. But that trust's got to go both ways. We desperately need to trust our kids. Um, just received an email um, this mom 's been trying to talk to me all day today, but my day has been just jam packed and uh, She finally just sent me the email right before we got in the studio here and And it was what do I do with my daughter?" Um, you know she was just at this retreat, this Christian event, and she met this guy and you know, they want to go to the school dance together, but he goes to a different school and lives 35 minutes away and he wants to take her to, to the dance at my daughter's school. They want to meet at the roller skating rink. And, you know, we've got these rules about not dating and about, um, you know, if you're going to be with a guy, it has to be in a group, but it doesn't look like there can be a group for this roller skating rink. And in all of this underlying that message is I'm not sure I can trust my daughter to make decisions with this boy. Um, and I can tell you for a fact when that girl doesn't end up feeling trusted, she doesn't feel loved by her parents. It increases her emotional attachment to that boy instantaneously and increases the likelihood of her making a mistake or making a bad decision because of the lack of trust. Hmm. So a controlling parent says,
0: these are the rules and you're going to follow the rules. We've discussed so often, have we not, that rules and consequences oftentimes push the kids away. From the
1: parents and what they, how they would like their kids to behave. Right. And I think, you know, we were talking about you had the two things that this one psychologist was saying really made love last. But what I've found is it also requires a sense of safety. Safety and trust go hand in hand. And uh, oftentimes when we allow fear to creep in as parents, we begin to doubt our kids we begin to believe that they won't or can't make good decisions, our kids end up feeling not safe with us. They won't open up. They won't talk with us deeply. And that was the interesting thing I found in some of the research was that in couples specifically, when we stop talking deeply about our desires and our emotions, that is one of the top warning signs that love will begin to fade. And so if we're not in this environment of safety and trust, we won't be communicating at the levels we need to communicate to keep the family connected, to keep the hearts connected in our homes, to keep love alive.
0: This is a challenging topic, and there's more coming. You're listening to Revive Family Parenting of the 21st Century with Jeff Schott. We'll be back
1: in a moment. Hey, at times, we as parents all have questions. Even I have questions. That's why I do a lot of this research. And I'd love to hear from you. Love to hear your questions that you would like us to address on air. If you go to revivefamily.com forward slash radio, that's revivefamily.com forward slash radio, right there at the beginning of the page is a place you can submit a question. We won't use your name on air unless you want us to. It's entirely confidential but we would love to address the issues you would like us to on this radio program and podcast. Thank you. We appreciate your help.
0: Parenting is a commission you receive from God when a child comes into your life. You're the guide, the mentor, the teacher who will lead and set an example. That sounds like one of the greatest assignments you could ever be given. And it is an amazing gift, but it comes with serious challenges, problems, and frustrations. Parenting can be the most difficult job there is because there are kids with ideas that don't sync with yours. There's nonstop advice coming at you from neighbors and family members, and you've tried techniques that are supposed to work but don't. Where do you turn? You turn to revivefamily.com. It's the website created by Jeff Schott, host of Parenting in the 21st Century. ReviveFamily.com has powerful resources that guide you to making better decisions as a parent or someone in the role of a parent, like a grandparent, aunt, uncle, foster parent, guardian, big brother, big sister. You'll find research studies, audio CDs, DVDs, and more, including Jeff's book, Influential Parenting, at ReviveFamily.com. Many parents today fear the impact that society, social media in particular, is having on their kids. Researcher, counselor, and parenting coach Jeff Schott offers a better way to lead your kid and give you more influence than YouTube, Snapshot, or video games. Through research with 3,500 kids, Jeff developed a new way of parenting that's working for thousands of families. The program is called Influential Parenting. Get it today at revivefamily.com radio. Bring your kid's heart to life and peace to your home. Welcome back to Revive Family, Parenting in the 21st Century with Jeff Schott. We're talking now about love and how to create a stronger love culture within a family. I just want to flash back. I grew up in a very loving family, and I got involved in scouts when I was very young. I don't know if you were a Boy Scout. I was a Cub Scout. I was a Boy Scout. And if you ever learned the oath, I'll just recite it because it's been stuck in my head since I was a little kid. A scout is trustworthy. Loyal, helpful, friendly, courteous, kind, obedient, cheerful, thrifty, brave, clean, and reverent. What's number one? Trust. Right. Trustworthy. The foundation of love.
1: Absolutely. Um, Yes, we are involved in Scouts, and uh, um, my boys are both involved, and my son's working on his Eagle. Really? Uh, And so uh, I've— been to camp, and I'm an associate scoutmaster, and all of that good stuff. Uh, the beauty of scouts it teaches core values, yes. from a young age, right, and parents
0: are there nurturing those young people as they're growing up,
1: right. And what I also love about scouts is it believes that the scout troop can be led by the kids. And it encourages them to step out and try things and to be leaders. And it empowers them to make the decisions in the troop. It's not uh, controlled by the adults like so many of the activities today.
0: Mm -hmm. Jeff, in the earlier segment, you talked about an email you received from a concerned mom whose daughter wanted to go on a date. Uh, The mom was concerned about the safety. The mom was concerned about a relationship developing where she wasn't going to have control. What was the upshot of that? What advice did you offer or are you withholding that until you talk more?
1: <laughs> well, no, I, uh, I had to give them an answer because they need to give their daughter an answer this afternoon while we're sitting here in studio recording. And, um, you know, I said it's so much of it depends upon the situation. You know, in my family because of what we changed – and how we developed a culture of love uh, based upon parenting through influence as opposed to through authority and control. Um, my, both my daughters chose not to date until they were 18. They didn't feel the need to go out and find love at a younger age. And they, as a result, saw the craziness that was going on and the hurt that was going on. And they said, you know, I don't need to get involved in this because I'm not ready to get married anyways. So they made that decision themselves. So I shared that with the parent. And then I said, I know that's not the situation currently in your home. I know that's where you want to end up, though. So sometimes you have to venture out and take the first step. And that step is by issuing trust. What if you were to go to your daughter and say, hey we believe in you, we trust that you can make decisions and you want to protect yourself and your own future. And we know that the Holy Spirit resides in your heart and that he's going to guide you to make the right decisions. And so, you know, because we believe in you and we trust you, we're going to let you go to the roller skating rink even though your friend can't go along as well. What I've found is that when parents begin to do this, kids feel more loved. And that love gives them the strength to say no in these situations. But it's when they're feeling that they're not trusted, that they're controlled, that all of a sudden their need to be loved somewhere else goes through the roof. And they make the very mistakes we're trying to prevent them from making. Mm -hmm. And so that was the advice I sent. I haven't gotten the response email yet. It'll be fascinating to see what they come back with.
0: You're really saying, when you make the statement, I trust you. I can rely on you to make good decisions. I expect you, even at that point, would ask a couple questions or anything I can answer before you go off on this adventure. Are there any other things you'd like
1: to know from your wiser, older parent? Yeah. What what concerns do you have? Yeah. You know. Talk about concerns. You know, what are your values? What are your thoughts related to dating at this age? And what do you want to get involved in? What don't you want to get involved in? Draw them out. Hear them out. Um, But what I found is when we issue this kind of trust, it results in them rising to that trust. They stand stronger. They stand firmer. And they feel loved. And they feel close to their parents. When the inverse is absolutely the truth, when they say, well, you're not going to be able to go because you don't have a group or your, your friend can't go with you. And what you're really saying is we don't trust you. You're going to, you want to go make the wrong decision. Mm-hmm. And that so undermines the relationship. So wounds kids from sitting and talking with them, uh, in the coaching that we do and in the research that, um, wounded kids make mistakes. mm mm-hmm. Having read many of your blogs,
0: I recall reading one where you said in way too many instances when you're going to get involved in counseling a new family, you'll hear someone say it's like we're four people living under the same roof, but we're individuals and we're not bonded and we're not connected as a family. How do you proceed when you hear that? You sense there's a lack of love. There's a lack of trust. There's a lack of connection and compassion. Uh, that's a big challenge.
1: Well, I think the first thing that parents need to hear in this statement that I hear from kids too much: "We're four individuals living under one roof." I had one girl say, a seventeen-year-old girl say to me, "You know, we're four in, individuals living on four different emotional islands um, of her family." And so, when they say that, um, the first thing I'd like parents to hear in this is that's a question we need to go ask our kids. We need to go say, how connected do you feel to us and the family? How interconnected are we? Are we four individuals living under one roof? Because the answer we might get might shock us. Oftentimes parents are going through the routine and going through the motions and the kids seem to be fine and seem to be connected because they're good at meeting our expectations. But I think a lot of parents might be surprised by the answer they get. Now, to get the answer, the honest answer, the parents are going to have to say, we're not going to react. We're not going to, we're not going to judge. We're not going to argue. We're not going to get defensive. We just need to honestly know, do you think we're four individuals living under one roof? You've got to know there's a problem before you can fix it. Mm -hmm. Um, then from there, what is it that is causing the kids to feel that way? The only way you're going to understand that is by asking them questions and begging them to be honest. Mm -hmm. What is it that we're doing within our home that makes you feel so disconnected from us?
0: I'm curious about the kind of questioning you do with mom and dad and the kids. What kind of sharing do you do? Um, Do you have meals together? (laughs) Isn't that a big one?
1: Because we get so busy sometimes, we don't even have meals together. Oh, right. Or we're sitting there on our phones <laughs> during the meal. <laughs> um, okay. So, really? <laughs> yeah, you, you may have a meal together, but are you really together? Um, mm-hmm. But I think for me, you know, when I dive into a family situation, um, it's normally because a kid is struggling and a parent says, come help my kid, right? Right. And so the first thing I do is spend four to six hours nonstop, one session, asking the kids questions about their lives, their hobbies, their relationships with their parents, their siblings, their friends. I get into every area of their life in six hours, and I understand them so well at the end. They're sitting there going, this is the first person that's actually ever really listened to me. But you hear their whole story, whereas
0: the parents maybe have never really heard their kid's entire story.
1: Right. And as a result, then I help the kids share the disconnects and the mistakes that they're hiding from their parents that build a wall um, between they and their parents with their parents. And that process begins that deep communication that all the research says is required for love. Um, and then, then I help the parents begin to understand their own feelings. And uh, I know in the next radio program, we're going to talk about that phenomenon um, because we're doing a series here on love. We're going to do three programs. But this whole area of safety and trust and this area of communication is absolutely critical to maintaining a loving culture in our homes. Because great, If we've got our expectations and we've got our performance hoops and we're measuring our kids by that, we can say everything's going great. They're getting good grades. Uh, they're, They're respectful at home. They're getting their chores done or they're getting their homework done, whatever our hoops are, and we say everything's fine. But then I talk to these kids and they're saying, I'm alone. We're four individuals living under one roof. And they're out there oftentimes trying to fill that void in other ways that their parents have no clue about because we can't be with our kids
0: 24-7. We will dig further on the topic of love in two more programs coming soon. That's it for today's edition of Revive Family, Parenting in the 21st Century with Jeff Schott. We'll return soon with another program that is designed to help you become a wiser, more effective, more influential more loving parent jeff's website is revivefamily.com parenting in the 21st century is produced in association with faith radio jeff shot is a pastoral counselor and coach he is not a licensed healthcare professional what you've heard is not a substitute for
1: seeking professional medical or psychological support